sometimes I wonder why I spent the lonely Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, bro? I feel tough this week, Foltz. How are you? I feel amazing. I feel right. amazing. Uh, we got a lot to cover today. Um, a lot that uh, is impacting all of us right now. Um, we're going to be talking about like different shortages on everything and what's causing this. What's the, what's the root problem here? Um, is pointing the finger at government the right way to go, or does it go even deeper than that? We're going to go into that um, because, Steve, I know that you've experienced on your day-to-day life shortages and uh, things that you can't get, right? Well, you know, young and old, it doesn't matter who you are, what demographic you're in. If you want something and you go to get it, uh, a lot of times now it's not there. Well, yeah. I mean, just take a look at um, what's going on with the uh, the baby formula uh shortages it's terrible it's i mean the fact that uh the united states of america is now importing goods from europe uh their baby formula which turns out seems to be a little bit better uh, (laughs) for 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 the babies which which is crazy that our standard isn't up to that but uh yeah but there's there's tons of shortages to go over um price hikes through the roof i mean don't get us started on uh gas prices uh, I mean, this is the highest that, that that we've ever seen on a national scale here in the United States. Um, it's scary. It's scary to see what's coming. What is the plan? What is uh, what is the root of this? And what is the ultimate goal uh, in this? Because it just seems that all of this is just starting to happen all at once. But you know, there there were warning signs that were that were given to us uh, as far back as uh, 1970, 1971. Um, we came across um, eight different steps. What it says, like how to create a socialist state, and it says how do you change a country's culture, change it from a capitalist system to a government-controlled social <clears throat> sociological society. Well, here's the playbook. And so far, the socialists appear to be making a lot of progress. Now, remember, this was 1970, 1971. Number one, health care. Control health care, and you can control the people. Well, look what's gone on with uh, health care in the last, you know, what, 12 years, only with Obamacare. You know, we had the government stepping in with health care. Welfare was number two. Take control of every aspect of their lives, food, housing, and income, which we saw during the pandemic Uh Government assistance was uh, paying you know, people to, to stay home. I mean, they were making more money on welfare than they could have even at their jobs. Uh, number three, education. Take control of what people read and listen to. Take control of what children learn in school. And we, I mean, that's, a, that's huge what's going on here in the States uh, within the public school system. Uh, there's a lot of parents fighting a lot of different uh, uh, agendas and and. and, and Curriculum. Yeah, curriculum. Thank you. That's coming into the school. And uh, rightfully so. The parents should know and the parents should definitely have, an, have, a say, have a say what's going on. Number four, religion. It says remove the belief in the God from government and schools. Which that, that's happened. Number five, class warfare. Divide the people into wealthy and poor. 
This will cause more discontent, and it will be easier to take slash tax the wealthy with the support of the poor. Number six, debt. Increase the debt to an unsustainable unsustainable level. And that's what's going on in the United States. I mean, trillions. I mean, we're at the point now where tax money, taxpayer money is never, ever going to be able to, to pay that back. Uh, gosh, at this point, uh, to save everything, the United States of America as a corporation should file bankruptcy. And me and Steve were talking about that in pre-show. Um, number seven, gun control. Um, remove the ability for people to defend themselves from the government. I mean, look at all the countries that have gone communistic or socialistic. Well, what's the one thing they all have in common for sure is that the citizens were robbed of their guns and their right to protect themselves. Number eight, then, is poverty. Increase the poverty level as high as possible. Poor people are easier to control and will keep socialists in power if they are providing everything for them to live, which is a lot different than a waterfall providing everything that you want. Right, Steve? It is. That would be you know a dream scenario, um, but this is different. This is a an act of control. It, it certainly is. And, I mean, I see all eight signs going on right now i could talk about each one of those individual signs for a show for each one of them yeah 100 percent. so that's uh you know if you if you if you can recognize any of that uh in that in that list uh listen up to what we have uh next so um let's see oh not right there. just bear with me one second i'm just trying to pull up uh pull up the notes for this next section okay uh now we found we found an article that was written by the Guardian, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna discuss that and go over uh, a lot of different things that they had to say. Now there's there's a quiet pandemic happening in the U.S. economy. Medical labs are running out of supplies, like puppets and petri dishes. Summer camps and restaurants are having trouble getting food. And automobile paint and electronics firms are curtailing production because they can't get semiconductors. One man told me he couldn't get a Whopper meal at Burger King in Florida as there was a sign saying, sorry, no French fries with any order. We have no potatoes. Imagine that, no French fries in America. The problem seems to be getting worse as the shortages pile on top of each other like a snake eating its tail. For instance, the ability to fix trucks means that the truck drivers can't haul boxes of goods, which might actually contain the parts needed to fix the trucks and so forth. There are multiple arguments about why the problem is as bad as it is bad as it is. Everyone agrees that the COVID pandemic and the chaotic changes in the consumption habits have caused inevitable short-term price hikes and shortages. As people go on vacation less and do outdoor sports more, the price of, say, airline tickets should drop and the price of bicycles will go up. But some point, but, <clears throat> but some point to government spending and money printing at the Fed as worsening the problem, while others suggest it's temporary and will resolve itself on its own. Now, both arguments have merit, but what we're experiencing is also the net result of decades of policy choices, starting in the 1970s, that emphasized consumer sovereignty over citizenship. The consolidation of power into the hands of private equity financiers and monopolists over the last four decades has left us uniquely unprepared to manage a supply shock. Our hyper-efficient globalized supply chain, once romanticized by men like Tom Friedman in The World is Flat, is the problem, like the financial system before the 2008 crash. This kind of economic order hides its fragility. It seems to work quite well, until it doesn't. 
the specific policies that led to our supply constraint world are lax antitrust deregulation of basic infrastructure industries like shipping, railroads, and trucking, disinvestment in domestic production, and trade policy emphasizing finance over manufacturing. Take biopharmaceutical equipment necessary to make vaccines. There's a shortage of fancy plastic bags that you mix chemicals in to make medicine, which isn't surprising in a pandemic. But the reason for the shortage isn't just COVID, but a merger wave. Over the last 15 years, four, four, four firms bought up the biopharmaceutical equipment industry without any antitrust agency taking meaningful action. These firms now have market power and dominate their competitors by ensuring their bags can only interpret Interoperate. Oh, sorry, interoperate with their specific mixing machines. Sounds like McDonald's. Yep. It's like not having enough Keurig coffee machine pod, pods. The shortage isn't the coffee. It's the artificial bottleneck used to lock in customers. Another example is railroads. Since deregulation in the 1980s, Wall Street consolidated 33 firms into just seven. And because the Surface Transportation Board lacks authority, Wall Street-owned railroads cut their workforce by 33% over the last six years, degrading our public shipping capacity. The Union Pacific closed a giant Chicago sorting facility in 2019. It now has so much backed-up traffic that it suspended traffic from West Coast ports. Ocean shipping is the same. The 1997 Ocean Shipping Reform Act legalized secret rebates and led to a merger wave. The entire industry has now consolidated globally into three giant alliances that occasionally crash their too big to sail ships into the side of the Suez Canal. Then there's trucking. Talk to most business people who make or move things and they will complain about driver shortages. This too is a story of deregulation. In the 1970s, the end of public rate setting forced trucking firms to compete against each other to offer lower shipping prices. The way they did this was by lowering the, lowering the pay to the drivers. Trucking on the firm level became unpredictable and financially fragile. So for drivers, driver schedules became unsustainable. And even if the pay during the boom times could be high. Today, even though pay is going up, the scheduling is crushing drivers. The result is a shortage of truckers. Well, excuse me, I need to take a drink. There are more problems that strike at the heart of our economy. The most obvious is semiconductors. Production of high-end chips has gone offshore to East Asia because of deliberate policy to disinvest in hard process of making things. In addition, the firm now that control, controls the industry Taiwan Semiconductor holds a near monopoly position with a substantial technological lead and track record in the 1990s and early 2000s of dumping chips at below cost. Fortunately, policymakers have noticed the Federal Reserve's most recent beige book, a report on the economy that is published eight times a year, mentions the word shortage 80 times. And the FTC commissioner, Rohit Chopra, recently pointed out the shortages are slowing the economic recovery. The chair of the Surface, Surface Transportation Board, Martin o Oberman, noted that railroads stripping down their operations to please Wall Street resulted in container congestions at the U.S. ports, a significant choke point for imports, and Congress is on the verge of funding tens of billions of dollars to boost domestic semiconductor manufacturing. Even business leaders are getting it. Chemical firms are asking regulators to act. And at last week's Intermodal Association of North America's Intermodal Export, 
where representatives from shipping, railports, and drayage industries spoke, one executive said, Without fear of regulation, I don't know what will motivate all stakeholders to, <clears throat> to be at the table. It is possible to fix our economy and our supply chains if we choose to do so. Several times in the 20th century, Congress or the FTC undertook detailed studies of the firms in the economy. We need one of those again. At the same time, Congress should strengthen antitrust law, ban all large mergers, strictly control finance, and re-regulate our transportation industry. Fundamentally, America has to move away from the goal of seeking cheap stuff made abroad for consumers in a low-wage economy. That means rearranging our hierarchies of power so finance, consulting, and capital-light tech leaders became less important than people who know how to make things. The problem we have is shortages. So it's time to put people in charge of who, of who value production. So much is right there. Big time. I mean, it draws it out. So with shortages, here's the thing about shortages and the way that we see them. Retailers suffer shortages often. And what they do is, and the manufacturers are asking them to do this, the manufacturers will send small amounts of a product to a large amount of retailers. And instead of a retailer getting their full order, a retailer may only get 10% of their order. But the manufacturer is saying, hey, take this, stock your shelves with it, make it appear that our product is available, readily available, so that it's there. And when a consumer is walking through a retail establishment, they're seeing the, the shelves stocked and then they're seeing the name of that product still there. It may not be the exact product they're looking for, but the brand name is still there in some sort of way. But what they're not seeing is that there's nothing in the back room. Right. I saw um, one one news outlet. I forget where it was, but they were exposed by somebody in the grocery store. They were uh, taking things off the shelves, and they were like placing them like by where the camera was, and then the lady was reporting in front of. Her. Well, people just started taking pictures, and they started taking pictures of everything on the floor. Like they're already trying to create the fear, so you should you should know with everything that's happened in the last few years that uh, you know something's coming. It's coming on a big level, especially if the media is involved and they're trying to shove their narrative down your throat. You should always be skeptical, um, but uh, it leads into so many other. Um, situations and you know steve's going to go into this next section and but but before he does i just want to preface it by saying um because steve's going to be talking about a uh, different fuel um in a in, in a in a fuel called def that truckers use and uh i saw a couple reports in the last uh week or so about um diesel fuel shortages coming and you know you read a couple different articles so uh I always wanted to fact check it. So I went to, you know, some of the big distributors, um, loves is one. So I went to the, their website and it's painted out right there. And, and they even say, we have diesel shortages and more are coming. And then I watched an interview from, um, from a, a guy that owned a, a large gas station and he had ordered 5,000 gallons of, of diesel and they delivered one. And he said, "Yeah, well, where's my other four thousand gallons?" And they said, "That's all we have for you for now." So he got like what a fourth of his order, you know, yeah. a fifth of his order. Yep. And uh, and it's common. It is. So I mean, what people don't understand is if if, if that happens, if the trucks stop, America stops. It's true. So uh, yeah, Steve, we'll dive in a little bit deeper with this uh, DEF. Yeah. So do you know what DEF fluid is? 
It's called diesel exhaust fluid. Every diesel truck that has been made since 2010 is required to use it. It's a product made of 32.5% urea and 67.5% deionized water. Every newer diesel truck you see driving down the road today has to have this product to drive by law. DEF is sprayed into the exhaust stream by an advanced injection system and then converted into ammonia on a catalyst. The ammonia breaks down dangerous NOx emissions produced by diesel engines into nitrogen and water. That's the purpose of DEF. Right now, Russia is the largest exporter of the urea by a wide margin. Qatar is second, Egypt and China are tied for third. Both Russia and China have decided to no longer export urea. On top of that, India is the largest manufacturer of urea in the world, even though they consume most of what they make. What little they would export, they no longer do. They are now stopping the exportation of any and all urea, minus a deal they just cut with Sri Lanka. What does this mean for you and me? Well, first, the United States imports most of its urea fertilizer. We are the third largest importer in the entire world. We depend on other countries to eat, to drive, and to ship our products. Secondly, Flying J is the largest service provider for truckers around the United States. I'm sure you've seen their massive gas stations when traveling around the country. Flying J gets 70% of their DEF fluid from shipments via Union Pacific Railroad. UP has singular user access to the fertilizer plants that urea DEF fluid comes from. No other rail provider has access to these distribution points. This means that Flying J can't just go around Union Pacific. Union Pacific is in charge. For a reason, we'll mention a few paragraphs. Flying J provides 30% of all DEF consumed in the United States. That's 30% of all the DEF comes right from Flying J. Union Pacific has told Flying J to reduce their shipments by a whopping of 50%. And if they do not comply, then they will be completely embargoed. That would, in effect, bankrupt Flying J. This means that 15% of all DEF consumed by truckers in the U.S. is no longer available to the largest travel service center for the entire trucking industry. Rome rotted from the inside out. It was easily invaded because it was occupied with internal problems. It appears we have discovered the trigger. DEF fluid, if this holds up, DEF shortages will be the catalyst that causes food shortages in the coming months. Not only is there a shortage of fertilizer to grow crops in drought-stricken states, um, for example, Kansas has their wheat production in 2022 dropped, but now it looks like unless the federal government intervenes via the Defense Production Act, which no one is really confident that they will, I'm not. that there is going to be an absolute massive shortage of trucking in the coming months. There simply isn't going to be enough DEF fluid sufficient to keep engines running and moving. Home Depot is now limiting the amount of DEF you can buy in their stores. Uh, think about, you know, think long and hard about the decisions you're making right now, like where you live and what you spend your money on, and really how you prepare. This is so real that the CEO of Flying J, Shamik Kanar, was summoned to a surface transportation board hearing to give them all this info. And from what it looks like, he said this. BlackRock is the majority shareholder of Union Pacific Railroad. How is that important? 
America's biggest fertilizer producer is CF Industries. Their largest shareholder is BlackRock. BlackRock controls the fertilizer industry in the United States. Union Pacific has exclusive rights to distribution points of that fertilizer. Urea is fertilizer. Flying J needs urea, which is DEF, and BlackRock is controlling everything. The chairman of BlackRock Investment Institute is Tom Denelon, President Obama's former national security advisor. Now, Tom Denelon's brother, Mike Denelon, is a senior advisor to Joe Biden. Tom Denelon's wife, Catherine Russell, <coughs> pardon me, is the White House personnel director. Tom Denelon's daughter, Sarah Denelon, who graduated college in 2019, now works on the White House National Security Council. It appears BlackRock is spearheading the dismantling of the U.S. system on behalf of the globalists. And the first domino they're pushing over is the energy sector. They're using DEF to get the party started. This is one of this one sector of the biggest downfalls in the political repercussions that this country has faced. So we could be seeing some serious shortages coming up. Yeah, and it's it's nothing to take lightly. Um, and not only are they are they uh, having these uh, shortages of DEF, then you have uh, some of these trucks that are delivering it to. Um, to the gas stations, and they're putting it in the in the wrong uh, in the wrong uh, containers, and they're coming out like you were think you were buying like uh, eighty seven gas, and it's this DEF, and it happened in this one town to like twenty people. Now, luckily, at the goodwill of a local uh, shop, the guy offered to fix everybody's car for free. You know, and you have to you have to rinse it out because it's so corrosive, and this hits home personally for me because my car right now sits in the shop and uh, because DEF was in what I thought was my regular, at the time it was $4.15 a gallon and it was marked uh, the regular gasoline, but it was DEF and my car has been in the shop for a month. So not as only their shortage, they're wasting it now. And, um, it's scary because you really need to think to yourself. Um, now, me and Steve, I mean, gosh, we've talked about this for years, and, and I don't want to say ready to go, but we would be prepared. If there's if the food shortages don't stop, uh, society's going to break down, and you really need to understand and have a plan of what's of what's going on. Um, you need to look into things of uh, of stocking up on canned goods, uh, dried goods. Um, gasoline. If you don't have a um, a uh, a converter, power converter of anything, uh, you need to get a uh, generator. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know how how everybody feels about firearms, but uh, you would, it's better to have one and not need it than than the reverse. And you really need to come up with a solid plan, and and your plan has to be something that's really thought through because it can't be okay. We're all going to go to this place. Well, what if whatever happens, the breakdown of whatever, you, you're separated from your family. So you need to come up with, okay, we all need to go, we have to have this meeting spot and we all meet here every day and we don't leave until, you know, we all meet up and then you move on. Uh, it's going to be scary because they say, you know, people that have studied situations like this say that wherever you're living within the first 24 to 48 hours, you need to figure out uh, what you're going to do, whether you're going to stay or whether you're going to go. And 
I think that it's accurate because that's just going to when the looting starts. Because after the after all the uh, supermarkets have been raided, uh, they're coming for people's houses and desperate people do desperate things. And uh, you know, I don't mean to turn this into uh, a show about prepping, but it should lead you into the the mindset of I should probably have a lot of different goods because what's going to happen if you can't get the food? Well, then you're just in the same boat as everybody else. And then everybody else is just going to get hungrier and hungrier. And who knows what, what it could, what it could turn into. It could turn into a collapse and it could turn to break down a martial law and before you know it. And, and all jokes aside, it could turn into a civil war. Yeah. You have to look at this from a macro standpoint. Um, what's going on is people's money isn't going as far as it used to. So, we're on a massive uh, U.S. spending spree, and we have been for the last two and a half years, spending trillions and trillions of dollars, which is essentially weakening the U.S. dollar compared to foreign currency. So we continue to run up our tab, and also now the cost of goods is rising at a rate that we haven't seen so far in the entire history of America. What used to cost $4 now costs $7. So you have a lot of people out there that want these goods. A lot of the goods aren't even coming in. And when they do come in, they're so high in price that a lot of people can't afford the goods when they're, when they're available. Yep. So if, if this continues, this trend continues, it could very easily weaken the dollar to the point of collapse. Well, certainly. And there's tons of products out there where people I've heard saying, oh, well, there's a... They, this product that I love hasn't uh, hasn't changed its price at all. I say, oh no, it hasn't. It's changed its net weight. So why don't you check the packaging or the box? Uh, you're paying the same price now for quite a lot less. So you got to be careful of that too, because it's all it's all marketing and the way things that are perceived. Shop the bottom shelf. <laughs> so to talk about the fragility of the the system, we all know about the ships that were off port. Everybody heard that one because it was a big deal. You got ships that right. are that are waiting to be um, un- unloaded, and you can't get it done. So those ships, and this is how fragile the system is. Yeah, this is going to make it look like, at first, oh, everything's coming back. Everything's right. going to be fine. So now those ships have gotten to port. They've gotten unloaded, and when a few months ago, the back rooms of our big box stores were empty. Now they're busting at the seams because they were not able to cancel their orders. Their orders were already sent and they were a, they were forced to take these, these orders. So now there's so much products in these stores that it feels like it used to. It feels like everything is stocked. We're fine. We're going into summer. COVID has, uh, decreased from a pandemic to an endemic and everything seems right but that doesn't mean that that is the way that it's going to stay the rubber band effect here is that the stores that have all of this product are now no longer ordering the product because they have full stocks their par levels are all set to what stock they have they don't need to order more because they have more than they need so the orders aren't going in and all of the stuff that they have is going to need to go because it's been sitting out in the port for the last year. They're going to be doing deep discounts to get rid of this product that they have to beef up their uh, margins to get their second and third quarter numbers up so that their stakeholders believe in the system. 
But what's going to happen is after those products are depleted, there's nothing filling the chain. Yeah. I mean, look at uh, we have uh, Russia and Ukraine that are, are in conflict and so much of, like we said earlier, the fertilizer. And China's in lockdown right now. China's in lockdown. China's been in lockdown for COVID and they're not they're not releasing it anytime soon. And that's our biggest trade partner. So if China's in lockdown and we can't get goods and if this if this were to happen and COVID were to um, become a variant and once again go on the rise, then we've got you know massive hospital stays. We've got shortages all over, and what seemingly right now feels like things got back to normal. The whiplash effect to that, or the rubber band effect to that, is that within a few months from now, going into winter, things could seem a lot different. Right. It's um. It's going to be like the Indian summer effect. Yeah. Like in October, you think, oh, it's 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 warm out again. It's summer again, and then it just plummets in temperature. That's what it's going to be like. So. Ba- Take heed of uh of what we're saying. If you if you subscribe to these big box stores and you go in and it's just a plethora of everything, I would suggest stocking up on it because uh, come you know fall winter, those uh, shelves might have like a wallpaper up over them to make it look like there's products on there, um, and it's not a joke. I mean, just look at gas prices. I mean, uh, it, it's ridiculous, and the DEF and the diesel and all. Uh, if we have no trucks, if we have no way of getting to the products, what are you going to do? And that's what you need to ask yourself. What am I going to do as a, as a father or a mother or a brother or a sister or a son? What am I going to do to help my family if uh, we can't get the things we need, the basics, to survive? Baby formula. That one, I always thought that it would start with pet food because everyone loves their pets. Nobody's going to let their pets starve. Right. So if pet food doubles, you're going to pay double for your pet food or your kitty litter. got to have kitty litter, man. they got to go somewhere. Yep. So if there was a shortage on those things, you would start to pay. You know what? They skipped that and went right to the babies. Yeah, which it, is you, which is sick. And, I mean, there should be there should be hearings. People should be locked up for this uh, because there was lies being fed to the FDA, not an, uh, information of shortages coming that they saw months ago that was not reported to the FDA. I mean, people should be held accountable and, uh, and prosecuted. There should be indictments. Um, on the flip side of that, I have to ask myself a question is like, well, what did what did they do prior to there being baby formula? This is a serious question. What did they do before baby formula when the mother was unable to breastfeed? There has to be a remedy out there, or there has to be some type of recipe out there that, because, I mean, they had to have survived. <laughs> right, yeah, babies babies have always survived. Um, you can rush, rush it to the point where you're feeding them like a solid or semi-solid food early, but it's just unfortunate that it's happening at all. Oh, yeah, completely. It doesn't need to be that way. We should be able to solidify our supply chains, but we're not doing it. And so, and for any of our listeners that aren't within the United States, it's scary because if, if, it, if it's happening in the United States, you have to feel that it's coming and it's going to happen all over the world. I mean, the shipping industry and the, and the shortages of everything, it's going to impact everywhere. And what happens? What happens as us as a society when society collapses? Right. Well, I mean, it starts. the The solution is this. First of all, we need to get along better with each other. One hundred percent. We have Russia invading Ukraine, and the world is up in arms about it. 
the United States, especially throwing millions and millions of dollars, um, billions of dollars over there. Um, and it just seems like it could go a much smoother way if we were to get along better with our trade partners. Yeah. Our, our relationship with China is strained at best and China owns the majority of the U.S. debt. We need to get along better with our people. We need to make better deals with them so that we can have a consistent supply of goods. Yeah, we and we have to stop thinking that um, that that more government or a, a better government or another party is going to be the answer. Now, the answer is the people of this earth, the people of this country, the people of 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 different countries. That it needs to be done on a large scale. I mean, people are idolizing politicians anymore and. People are losing focus, like uh, electing people because they're like, oh, they're here to save us. Well, I think everyone's got it wrong. They work for us. They work for us, and they should be listening to us, and they should be putting us up on a pedestal. And uh, we really need to get back to, um, uh, you know, being patriots of your of your own country, and forget about party. I mean, neither side has our best interest involved. I mean. Uh, the swamp runs deep on both sides. So we need to, like Steve says, we need to, to get along because it's us. It's eventually, if things continue down this path, it's going to be us versus them anyway. So let's fix our ties now. Let's get over ourselves and start working how we can take their power away. Lessen government intervention and the people have more of a say anymore. And that's on a national level, but on a, on a local level, local officials mean so much. Local yes. elections mean so much, and buying local means so much. If you can buy a quality product that's made locally, support that person. That money will stay in your community and strengthen your community and strengthen the supply chains. There's no need to go out and buy a dishwasher that's going to break in four years. We used to have dishwashers that would last 20 years. We need to get back to quality products that we can fix when they break instead of throwing them away. Yep. Shop shop from businesses and companies that were shut down during during the pandemic. And we can all think in our head in two seconds, all the places that were, quote unquote, allowed to be open. And they were just massively packed all the time. And it didn't make sense why other businesses were suffering. So support mom and pop and local and and your and your society within your small circle will succeed. Those are the community people that are going to end up circling back around to help you. If you don't like what's going on in, in your school districts, run for your local school board. Your local school board has more power than your governor when it comes to what goes on in your schools. And it's crazy to think like that, but it is the truth. And, and all local all local politicians have more power. Your mayor has more power than, than the governor during. You could suspend, if you didn't believe in it, you could suspend uh, COVID regulations or increase them. Well, and the governor couldn't stop you. So always think, and, and of course, remember that electing your governor of your state is more important than electing the uh, president of the United States. Independent states can do what they want to do. So um, every every community goes through this. You see the farm, you see the old farm, you drive by it all the time. And then not too long, that farm is an apartment complex or a, a new housing development. Mm -hmm. Buy your, your produce locally there. It could be an extra quarter, but it doesn't matter. Support that person that's right there farming your ground. That's going to help you in the end way more than that quarter that you saved buying a tomato at a big box store. 
Yeah. We don't plant flowers at my house. We plant zucchinis and tomatoes and onions and cauliflower and cabbage and broccoli and peas and potatoes. It's better to have that. Flowers are pretty to look at, but I like when my stomach's full. A lot of good vegetables and food that I was able to grow myself. So being aware of these things makes it easier to fix these things on a local level. And that's what we're doing. We're not fear-mongering here. We're just making you aware of Getting the, the information out. That there is a fragile system out there that is waning and it is ready to, to uh, what is the word when something falls apart? Like Collapses. Yeah, it's, it's ready to collapse. We need to make sure that it doesn't so that we can continue this beautiful way of life that we have in the United States, the, the greatest country in the world. We need to preserve our rights and we need to be out there buying local and supporting each other in communities. I couldn't have said it better myself. So we hope you uh, enjoyed this episode. Hopefully it was informational to you. Hopefully you take some type of action. If it's on a, even on a small level to prepare for these shortages that are coming up because uh, gosh, we uh, don't want to come back and do a show and be like, it's worse now. Yeah. So prepare yourselves and uh, you know, keep your ear to subtle beast cause we'll tell you how it is and uh, we'll let you determine what you think about it. So until next time, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.